15 sizzling summer side hustles. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Now a proud member of the Entrepreneur Podcast Network. It's the business podcast you can actually apply. And today I'm breaking down my top picks for summer side hustles, along with, at the end, an alternative framework to consider. But let's get right into it. Number one on my list is lifeguarding. I don't know if it's just our local area, but there's a lifeguard shortage. This is real. Blame it on the supply chain. Now, this is a flexible part-time job, maybe not a scalable side hustle in the true entrepreneurial sense of the term, but great to do on the weekends. Usually you're making 20 bucks an hour or more. You're hanging out outside. Now, because it is high consequence work, you got to know what you're doing. You got to take the certification classes to learn it and prove that you know it. But what's interesting, again, at least in our area, is that the lifeguards are on a 15-minute rotation, 30-minute rotation in some cases, meaning that your shift might last four or five hours, but you might really only be on high alert duty for a fraction of that time. So that was one that definitely made the list lifeguarding. Number two is pressure washing. And this is a simple, low startup cost business that can command pretty strong hourly rates once you get going. This is Scott Anderson from episode 525. Um, Scott was spoon over pressure washing and you can make three or $4,000 in a month pretty easily. I went down the route of kind of having the leanest startup as possible. So I went and bought a used pressure washer for like a hundred dollars, some hose and other you know little accessories. So I think I might've spent like a total of maybe $300 in order to get started and then made a real simple Facebook page, kind of shared it with my friends. And a few days later, started having a few people reach out and say, Hey, I have this house, you know, people that I don't even know. And so the first house that we did, I think I charged $200 for it. And I had really no idea what I was doing. I've only maybe pressure washed my own house at that time and a few other things. You learn a lot of things that you don't know that you don't know as far as like, how do I price things out? Like, do I write it on a piece of paper? There's just so many things you don't know at first, but we did that house. It took us way longer than it should have, but it was, you know, we almost got all of the money we originally put in the business back out because it was, we put maybe 300 into it and got 200 on the first job. So that definitely felt like a success, but at the same time, it was a challenge just to kind of get your foot in the door with the first one. Scott went on to describe how he was booking out weeks in advance on the back of a simple, low-budget Facebook campaign. What I've noticed, probably the two best things are doing the Facebook ads that pull up on like the screen when they're you know scrolling through Facebook and targeting people that are above a certain age group, like usually above 40 years old, that are also in the top 25% income bracket because those are the people with the most disposable income and they don't really ask any questions for whatever price you charge as long as it's reasonable, of course. Okay, that's cool. What did you put in the ad itself? The ads were really simple because a lot of people don't have a whole lot of attention span when they're scrolling through and they see an ad. So it would be very basic, like we wash homes. It would have a picture of a before and after of siding that looks dirty and then looks clean. It would say spoon over pressure washing. And then it would say, ask for a quote right here. They click the button and they're able to directly message me directly and, and ask whatever questions they have. Through Messenger? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a special thing that they allow you where it's like you get customers through Messenger. I found that to be helpful because a lot of people don't like talking on the phone so they can kind of feel you out on Messenger. That's actually really cool. Do you have a sense of the price per lead or a target price per lead that you like to pay there? Well, when we started last year, we would do an ad budget of $2 a day. And that would keep us like pretty much busy for we'd have jobs lined up every day. And by the time it got into around August, 
we were booked out for like two or three weeks with pressure washing jobs. There you go. Might not take a lot to start booking some work. You can learn more about Scott's business in episode 525. Summer side hustle number three is being a wedding officiant. Summer season is wedding season. And what you might not know is that professional wedding officiants can earn $100 to $800 per wedding in as little as half an hour's worth of work. Maria Romano, someone I connected with last summer, she's officiated thousands of weddings over the last 10 years. She stopped by the Side Hustle Show to share some advice. So my first paying job was over at the Las Vegas Hilton. And actually, when I decided to become a wedding officiant, my neighbors across the street owned a hair and makeup company, a mobile hair and makeup company, and they did a lot of brides that were coming in and their bridal parties. So I got to meet several of the chapel owners and somebody was actually getting their hair and makeup done and they didn't have an officiant and they found out about me. So I actually went over to the Hilton. One of the chapels there was gracious to have me perform my first wedding ceremony. And believe it or not, I got paid $150 for that, which was great. You have different price variations depending upon where you live. Vegas is a little bit more of a saturated market, but outside of Vegas, you can command anywhere between four, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a wedding, depending upon how detailed you get with the couple. So that was my first wedding, it was just the couple. But when I did my second wedding, which was larger, oh my gosh, Nick. I got down to the uh, Green Valley Ranch. I had went out and I promoted myself. I went to the different chapels, went to the different hotels that had wedding services. And I was doing a pool wedding in the evening. I was so excited. I had everyone stand and I forgot to tell everyone to sit. So there they were 15 minutes later, ceremony ended. They were still standing. They're still standing. So, you know, those are things. What happens is we get so concerned with in our head, like, oh my God, how do I sound? When you're performing the wedding ceremony with ease and confidence, and that's the key. So trying to figure out where your target customers are already doing business with, in your case, you know, all of these different venues and chapels, that makes a lot of sense. Have you found for your students outside of Nevada, outside of Vegas, a similar strategy working? Or tell me more about how you find people marketing this service today? First of all, you need to market yourself to other wedding professionals. So I tell my students that especially outside of Nevada is just search out what different groups that are available. Now, there's a lot of bridal groups and wedding vendor professionals in your area searching out Facebook, for example. So you can introduce yourself. You can do a short video, just letting them know. And then you can message them and see if you can possibly set up a meeting. I recommend attending events, different mixers with other wedding professionals so they can get to know you because they want to see you. They want to see how you interact with people. They want to know that you show up on time, how you look, how you interact. Those are things that are important. But in addition, social media is a great platform to just take pictures if you've performed a wedding ceremony. And if you didn't, this is what I tell my students, have a mock one. Have your friends come out, have them dress up in your backyard, wherever it is, yeah, and video it and then put that out on Facebook, put it out on Instagram, put it on Twitter. LinkedIn is very important as well. Letting other wedding professionals know that you're professional. And that's the key thing. And that's what sets you apart. One thing we talk a lot about is looking for the lead fountains in your business. These are the steady streams of new leads. In Maria's case, it's the venues, it's the other vendors, it's the bridal groups, and really it's a strategy you can apply in just about any side hustle. Who are the complementary service providers, your target customers? 
are already doing business with. That's a way to shortcut your marketing. And like I mentioned, that's what my wife and her partner have done in their photography business. A lot of their leads come through a relationship with one popular wedding venue. It doesn't take much. So that's number three, being a wedding officiant. Number four actually is photography, because between weddings and barbecues and company picnics and family reunions, there are lots of occasions for photography work over the summer. Summer side hustle number five is mobile car detailing. Here's Josh Velk on how he and his brother got started. Most of the time, our customers, it is their first time having the detail done. We always luck out every now and then by having the customer that they do clean their car a lot. And a lot of the times they call us up for a full detail, expecting to pay the full price and their car is not bad at all. And those are usually the customers that say to us like, oh, my car is so bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> those are the best case scenarios for us. You're like, believe me, believe me, we've seen worse. Exactly. That's what we like to tell people. So right now, a lot of the time we are doing customers that it's the first time they're ever having their vehicle detailed. They probably saw one of our advertisements on Facebook or they heard about us through a friend and they realized like, wow, my car needs to be detailed. I would love to have it just spotless. Some people even can search on Google if they search for like mobile car washing or mobile detailing in my area or even detailing in my area, we do show up in some of the Google results too. So definitely those first-time customers are, I would say, our prime target market. We also have a dealership. It's a small dealership that calls us about three or four times a week for different cars. And that's the best case scenario because they are reoccurring and they're always bringing new cars in from auction. That is someone that we can rely on without having to spend any new marketing dollars towards every single week. So a couple notes on this one. When Josh mentioned that for most of their customers, it was their first time getting their car detailed. To me, that's a signal of a growing market. Like he's not having to go conquest market share from other service providers. It's that the pie as a whole keeps getting bigger. To me, that's a positive signal. And I think detailing is probably just one example of a broader spectrum of local services that more and more people are outsourcing what they used to do themselves, or they're treating themselves to a little lifestyle upgrade. I think in that episode, Josh went on to explain that one of their best performing promotions was a Mother's Day pre-order, maybe a gift card or something. Hey, don't know what to get mom. How about the gift of a spotless car? Second thing was the B2B relationship he mentioned at the end of that clip, because sure, an individual car owner, they might only buy the service once, twice a year. I don't know, maybe if they've got a lot of cars. But car dealers are the source of a steady stream of leads. That's the lead fountain in this case. So I thought that was pretty smart. And so the question might be, if detailing isn't your thing, is there an opportunity to sell bigger volumes of your product or service by selling it to a slightly different customer? I remember we had a guest on years ago. He was selling a book summary service. But in addition to selling it to individual customers, he'd go and sell seats to it or bulk licenses to the service to companies who in turn could present it to their employees as an employee benefit. Hey, we value personal growth at this company, which is why for as long as you work here, you have access to this cool book summary service. But again, the mobile detailing business, that's episode 415 with Josh Belk. Feel free to go back into the archives to check that one out if that is relevant to you. Summer side hustle number six is window washing because early last year, I connected with Johnny Robinson at Squeegee God. I actually interviewed him on his last day of college Super cool story, having built Orange Window Cleaning, along with his partner Sergio, to an almost $700,000 a year operation while they were full-time college students. Here's how he described getting that business off the ground. 
So we just started Googling ideas and, and he was just laying on my bed and he's like, dude, why don't we clean windows? And I'm like, car windows? And he's like, yeah, car windows. I'm like, so you're telling me you want to go stand at the gas station and charge like five bucks to clean car windows. We're not gonna make any money, bro. And he's like, yeah, you're probably right. But I Google window cleaning and I find out it's an actual industry where people get commercial buildings, storefronts, residential, they all need their windows clean. And so started watching some different YouTubers and we're like, Hey, we could do this. We watched this one YouTuber and he, he's like, I sold 48 accounts in 24 hours. My back was against the wall, eviction notices. And now I got these 48 window cleaning accounts. It's that easy. And we're like, why can't we do this too? And that's what sparked it and been doing window cleaning ever since. So at the beginning, you were kind of idea agnostic, just scrolling through different lists of business ideas until you find one that sounds somewhat interesting, somewhat doable. Our whole criteria for a business to start was that we needed to make money quickly, like be profitable quickly. Okay. Was there any research into the state of the market, the competitive analysis in your local area of like other companies already doing this stuff? Not really. I kind of just sent Sergio 75 bucks and he put in 75 bucks and we bought a bucket, a squeegee and a polo off Amazon and just started going knocking on doors. I didn't even know Yelp or Google My Business. Like I didn't know how to do any of that yet. Funny enough. Okay. So this is the startup cost, 150 bucks worth of materials and then hitting the streets, cold calling, just residential neighborhoods, commercial neighborhoods. Like who are you targeting here? We started with storefronts. So like I'll tell you a funny story. The first store we pitched was this donut shop, right? It's still there. It's across the street from my house. And we walk in there and we're like, hey, can we clean your windows? And they look at us and they're like, yeah, if you do a good job, we'll pay you. Like, if, we'll pay you if we like it. Okay. We're like, sick, let's do it. We clean the windows and it's like two small little panes of glass. And now if like we we're still out in the field cleaning the windows, it'd probably take us 10 minutes. It took us probably like an hour. <laughs> okay. We're still learning. And then they decide once we're done, like, yeah, good job. Like it looks really good, but how about we pay you in donuts? And then they stack a box, a dozen, a dozen size box full of donuts and like the cheesy croissants and stuff. And they give us the donuts and it was like a midday. So they were all cold and right <laughs> out. But I mean, we were stoked about it. And that was kind of our first job we, we landed. Now, obviously, they've come a long way from getting paid in donuts. But the secret sauce for Johnny and Sergio was when they figured out the online side of their business. Going door-to-door worked, but going online, they were able to reach way more customers. The real turning point didn't come until we started to understand reputation and digital marketing. So one of those cleaning companies actually told us, hey, you need to make a Yelp account. You need to get reviews on Yelp. And so we're like, okay. We just took her advice. We made the Yelp account and we started asking all our customers, hey, can you leave us a Yelp review? Can you leave us a Yelp review? And slowly but surely, the Yelp reviews just started flowing in and we ranked on Yelp on the first page. And then we started to see so many more jobs come in just organically without spending any money on Yelp. We're like, wow, we should do this with Google My Business too. And so we started learning more about different softwares that we could add on to help us get more reviews quicker. We started to look at competition now at their websites, saw that their websites were bad, like 99%. You can't get a quote online. Okay. How do we do online quoting? How do we make a nice website? And we started kind of just figuring all this stuff out and spending a bunch of money, like all the money we're making, we started spending on different softwares and different kind of systems. Some things worked, some things didn't. And we just, the stuff that didn't work, we got rid of it. And the stuff that stuck, we just continued to double down on it. And that's the bigger point I want to illustrate 
is what a reasonably savvy digital marketer is going to be able to accomplish in these traditionally offline low-tech businesses. For Johnny and Sergio, that meant graduating from washing the windows themselves to hiring help and working with qualified subcontractors, but local home services plus a better online experience for customers. And I still think there's a ton of opportunity for you in that space. Be sure to check out that full episode if you missed it, number 480 in your podcast app. And follow along. Johnny is at SqueegeeGod on Twitter. He's a great follow. And now he's helping people start up their own hands-off cleaning services. Hey, entrepreneurs. We know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences. With Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Summer side hustle number seven is to create and host a local experience. Summertime means summer travel season, which means people are looking for things to do when they're in new places. Michelle Maddox tapped into some of that tourist traffic with a unique local meditation experience. It was really just going onto Airbnb's experience page and pitching the idea. What's the title of your experience? How long is it going to last? Give us a little summary. What category of experience does it fall under? Mine is wellness. They want you to post some pictures. They don't want stock photos. They prefer to have pictures of you doing your thing, which can be a little tricky when you haven't done it yet outdoors. Right, right. It's the total chicken versus the egg thing. Yeah. So you got to be a little tricky about that. So what did you end up doing for that? Did you use pictures from like your previous classes or what did you do? I got together some people that I have meditated with, and we just did a little photo shoot outside that would look exactly like my experiences look. Okay, that's true. You got to consider that. Like if people show up, they're going to be like, hey, that doesn't look like what we saw in the picture. 
Right. Yeah. And people do get upset about that. So you want it to describe your experience and show it exactly like it's going to be. It's like every Airbnb I've ever been in. It's like, oh, you were very generous with the fisheye lens and making this place look bigger than it was. <laughs> exactly. All right. So they approve you. So now all of a sudden they're exposing you to this audience of visitors who are coming to Sedona and say, hey, while you're in town, you might want to check out Michelle's meditation experience. Was it right away you started seeing bookings? It was. It was right away. It kind of surprised me because it was about a year ago that they opened these up in Sedona. They started in August. And August in Arizona, that's like Siberia in the winter. Who wants to go there then? So I didn't really think anybody would want to sit outside and meditate, but I had bookings right away. As soon as I started scheduling some experiences, I had bookings like that weekend. My first experience had five people. And then from there, it was just kind of like as often as I would schedule them. At that time, I was just doing them two or three times a week. I would have people. So it took off right away. Wow, that's awesome. I was going to ask about that schedule slash availability. So you don't have it as like, hey, every day at 1.30, I'm going out to do this. Come and join me, rain or shine. It's like, no, this is only available on the days that I pick, the times that I pick, just for your own sanity. Have you ever had the case of like, I had this on the calendar, but only one person signed up or two? Like, is there a minimum that you say to make this happen? Unfortunately, there's not. And I say unfortunately, because it does happen that there's only one person. And Airbnb does not look favorably on you canceling for any reason other than weather. Like that's the only valid reason. It depends on the tour season here. We have a high season and a low season. It kind of goes up and down throughout the year. During the high season, I'm doing like mostly capacity experiences. And for me, that's eight or 10. I have three different experiences. And I'm, I'm experimenting with seeing what the maximum is like. And the minimum, I often have, I do one. Like this time of the year, I've done a lot of onesies and twosies. Okay, yeah, middle of summer. So you guys are going out sweating <laughs> sweating on the rocks. Exactly. So if you had to average out an hourly rate from it, what would your estimate be? I would say like as an average, my average number of people that I work with would probably be four and I do these anywhere from like one to nine times a week. So I can't do the math in my head quickly enough to give you an hourly, but it definitely makes it worth my while. But during the high season, this is like a daily thing. Yes, it's a daily thing. Okay, that's awesome. And I'm just looking at the primary experience, the original experience that you have posted up here, 120 something reviews five stars or 4.9 stars priced at $49. So you can start to do some math. This is added up to pretty serious income stream here. So here's an example of tapping into a pre-existing audience of buyers, which we call the buy buttons strategy. In this case, Michelle shortcuts her own marketing by putting the experience up for sale through Airbnb. And then Airbnb promotes these experiences because it's an easy way for them to make another 20% on a service that they don't have to provide. It's pure margin. So the questions to ask are, is there a unique local experience that you could create? A friend of mine does these quote unquote unplugged gratitude hikes in the Smoky Mountains and similarly started getting bookings right away. And then the second question, even if you have no interest in creating and hosting an experience, 
What are the buy buttons marketplaces where your customers are already shopping for what you have to sell? Is there a way to shrink the internet so instead of competing with all of Google, you're competing with a smaller subset of product or service providers? So that was Summer Side Hustle number seven, the local experience side hustle. Summer Side Hustle number eight is to be a loan signing agent. One of the side hustles I knew nothing about when I started the show but one that I probably hear the most positive feedback from listeners about. In this gig, you're responsible for walking new mortgage borrowers through that big stack of paperwork that you got to sign at closing. Here's Doug Hoyer from a YouTube interview we did a few years back explaining what it's like to get started. When I first started out, I barely got any business. There's a lot of trust that goes into this. And part of that trust is the amount of signings you've done. There's different systems out there that you sign up for called signing services. One of them, SnapDocs, that a lot of signing services, more of a bucket than a lot of signing services, but they share information behind the scenes of how was this person. They send out random surveys to customers that fill out. Uh, so there's a lot of hidden things that you don't get to see that other companies see. As that progressed, the more I got more business on that platform. I got more business on other platforms. I signed up for There's thousands of signing services out there. There's so much money in this business that everybody wants their piece of the pie. Okay, interesting. So these are kind of the centralized databases of notary agents like yourself, where escrow offices and companies that need somebody to go out and perform the signing, they can go through this database and find somebody. But you're saying behind the scenes, there's like an internal Yelp system or TripAdvisor system with like ratings of the different signing agents. Right. And mistakes you've made or positive things you've done, negative things. So you've been at this for a couple of years now? Nope. I've been at it for a little over a year. Wow. Okay. Eight grand a month in, in a little over a year. Do you have an estimate of the time that you're putting into it these days? Like today, I'll probably do, let's see, I got six signings, but they're pretty close. So driving matters, right? So yeah. if you, if you, sometimes I'm an hour and a half away. Sometimes I'm 10 minutes up the road. So you get paid the same regardless. Did you have any real estate background or notary background before you got into this? Nope. Zero. None. What was your process like to get your notary certification? And I understand this varies state to state. Yeah, it does vary state to state. Washington, I always say when people ask me, what does it require? I always say it's really difficult in Washington. You need to pass a real simple background check, you know, no felonies, physical crimes, things like that. And you need to have a pulse. That's how you get your notary in Washington. Okay. So the other states are going to make you take a test and there's a different application fee for it, but more often than not, a pretty straightforward process. So interesting to hear that. And then there are a handful of states that are attorney only states. For example, Georgia, like you have to be a licensed attorney to oversee these loan signings. Watch out for that as you kind of are doing your homework on this side hustle. Anything else that gave you pause before you got into it or you just kind of jumped in with both feet and said, I can make this work? Well, you know, the dip at first is really tough. So you put an outlay of anywhere from $500,000 for training, for this, for that. You got to wait a month in Washington or so to get your notary license and you're taking all these tests. You have to pass a national notary association test and do that certification. Okay. So you do have to do this test. So you study up for that, pay the fee, pass the test. Right. Yeah. There's more, you know, you got to do background checks. So there's Anywhere from five hundred to a thousand dollars, depending on what you need to invest into this, and that's without the car. Got to have a car. Okay. Okay. So five hundred to a thousand bucks in startup costs for 
background checks and licenses, errors in emissions insurance, and then some training. So I understand you invested in some training to get started. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I started with the loan signing system. And again, that came from your show. Hey, just want to cut in here and clarify that Doug is talking about episode 286 of the Side Hustle Show. That featured Mark Wills, the creator of the Loan Signing System online training course, and a student of his, another Side Hustle Show listener named Brian Schooley, who at that time was earning 1500 bucks a month part-time. But Mark calls the mobile notary business, the loan signing business, the best kept secret in real estate. And he is super passionate about sharing that message. And because of that, it can sometimes come across as a little over-the-top salesy. And that's one reason I keep reaching out to students of his, like Doug, to get the inside scoop on how it really works. For the six signings that you'll do today, what is the average fee or what do you expect to make from those? The ones today, the average fee is about $90. Okay. So you're looking at, call it 500 bucks today? Yeah, about 500 bucks. Okay. And that's, so, that's if I don't get any more. I actually have room to fit a couple more in my skirt. Okay. So if, the, if some last minute things come in, you can say, okay, I can pop over here. Okay. So potential to do 500 bucks in a day, a year into this, after your 500 to a thousand bucks in startup costs, how long did it take you to break even on your upfront investment? Oh, to break even if you don't run everything, probably a couple months. Because again, when that first start out is really, really slow. It's just, it trickles in and you just got to take your lumps. It's going to be, it took me four months before I really started getting consistency. Okay. Like two, two to three grand. And then it went to three to five grand. And then, and then it's just been steady on where anywhere from, I'd say seven grand to one month, it was 11 grand. Wow. So That's... that was a super busy time. Now, what's interesting is that that conversation with Doug was actually from 2019 before the big 2020, 2021 refinancing boom. Now, clearly the real estate market has shifted since then. Transaction volumes are down, not a ton of refi business with the higher interest rates, but these signings still do take place every single day and they need notaries to approve them, which is why that's summer side hustle number eight. Did you know that roughly half of side hustle nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and 
you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Number nine is a moving service, and there are a few peer-to-peer apps like Dolly that say you can earn up to $40 an hour helping people move. And people like to move in the summer to not interrupt the school year, so demand is higher now than in other times of the year. And moving is expensive. It's funny, when we moved a couple summers ago, we would get these professional moving quotes for like $11,000. I think one came back $12,000. And Bryn and I, we kind of look at each other and we said, I don't know if our stuff is worth that much. Like we might be better off just starting over when we get there. Now, ultimately, we did find a truck and a driver on U-Ship for far less than that. We just had to do all the work ourselves. Now, that said, U-Ship is another option if you're that person who already has a truck. But that is Summer Side Hustle number nine, moving service either on your own or through one of these moving company apps. Number 10 is yard sale flipping or flea market flipping, spring cleaning, summer clear outs, lots of opportunity to score some undervalued inventory one of my favorite episodes is number 406 with Stacy Gallego. She was working in nursing, but scaled back that job after finding some pretty serious success with her flipping business. I just kind of fell into it. I found Rob and Melissa on a blog and started listening to how what their business model was, which was basically focusing on selling larger items for a lot more money versus where a lot of people just sell a lot of volume and ship a lot. And I just thought, I want to work smarter, not harder. So I figured if I could make a thousand bucks a month, that'd be really cool. And I pretty much consistently started that right away where I was making an extra thousand a month. And then it just moved into 4,000 up until last month, which is, I've been doing it almost two years now. And last month I had, I was $4 short of 10,000. Wow. Is it sales or, or profit after your, your cost of acquisition? Sales. So my profit would be around 7000 Okay. Still? Yeah. I was thrilled. I never really had it on my radar to quit my job. I love my job. I love the people I work with. So it was never really on my radar until I started realizing it was really everything I wanted. I had the freedom. I could spend time with my kids. My husband just retired at 56 from the federal government. And we can have breakfast in the morning, we can take walks, we can hang out. And it's just been really great. And I can travel for 30 days and make 4000 bucks. It's not too bad. Not too bad at all. We're going to unpack some of the sourcing process, the constant hunt for inventory, remarketing, shipping some of these larger items. Excited to dive into all of that. But you draw an important consideration here. And Rob, who Stacy mentioned, has been on the podcast a couple of times. They run fleamarketflipper.com. The idea, and this is in contrast to, we've done episodes on flipping textbooks or flipping like thrift store clothing and selling on Poshmark, where it's like, I might make 10 bucks an item, 
Rob's idea is like in the early days, it was like, if I'm not making a hundred bucks an item, like there's a lot of effort here in sourcing and photographing and listing and shipping this stuff. Like I want to make it worth my while. And it's like very, very possible to play this volume game. But his argument, it sounds like yours is as well. It's like, maybe I could do a similar amount of, of work up front for just one item and just, you know, make sure that item happens to be a home run where I double or triple my money. But let's dive into this inventory sourcing. Can you give me an idea of where you're looking for profitable inventory? What kind of stuff are you buying? Well, this is the thing that I tell people who are interested in getting into the business. Never stick to one way of sourcing. I really try to have several ways that I source. I source at yard sales and not so much now because of pandemic. There's not a lot of sales happening right now. I go to thrift stores. My big finds are usually on OfferUp, Facebook Marketplace, just the local apps. And my goal really is to find those undervalued items locally and then resell them on a larger market. So I never really stick to one thing. I'm always looking for new ways to source. And my biggest new way, which is I learned from a private coaching group from Rob, and that was that to build contacts. I tell people what I do. At first, you kind of keep it to yourself because you know you don't want to bug people with your new business idea or whatever. And so you don't always say what you do. But I started sharing that with people. And instead of them throwing out their items, they give them to me. And then I sell them and I can either give them part of the profit or if they're going to dump them in the garbage, I'll take them and, and flip them and add to my inventory. And then when I, I have several contacts, just locally, one guy cleans out houses and then he sells me stuff very inexpensive. And then I have another guy that works at a thrift store locally and he and I have a really good connection where he basically lets me shop at a store before he puts the stuff out. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's really awesome. Shoot, and- shoot, everybody else who's like going in there as the door opens, like, oh, the good stuff has already been picked up. <laughs> but that's the power of building relationships. And that's been echoed by just about every flipper in every niche that we've had on the show. If you can be the person who gets first dibs on new items when they come in, you've put yourself in a pretty good place. Again, that's episode 406 with Stacy. Encourage you to go check that one out. And that's Summerside Hustle number 10, the buy low, sell high, flea market flipping, yard sale flipping business. Number 10 is tutoring because some students, or maybe more accurately, their parents are using the summer to get ahead academically or to catch up academically. And tutors can earn $15 an hour to $100 an hour plus, depending on the subject matter, depending on location. We have Matt Fuentes on the show recently in episode 548, who was earning around a thousand bucks a week on the side from his teaching job with a tutoring business focused on college admissions, test prep tutoring. Now, his advice mirrored a lot of the marketing advice that we've heard. Think of who your target customers are already doing business with. Who are the lead fountains for your industry? In Matt's case, it was these college admissions advisors, consultants, I think he called them. It was a relatively simple process to become the go-to referral partner for them. Hey, your client needs to improve their test scores. That's what I do. And I can do it remotely. So that's number 11, tutoring. Number 12 is being a sports coach. And what I have in mind here are swim lessons, tennis lessons, baseball skills, camps, even personal training for grownups. There's a lot of pressure to look good at the beach or at the pool, which can translate into some demand for health and fitness help. I think all of these are viable summer gigs, especially 
based on the apparent scarcity of swim lessons. I don't know if this is the same where you live, but just as an example here, we've got parents setting the alarm for midnight trying to get their kids registered for swim lessons here. So whenever I see people kind of behaving a little bit unexpectedly, I say, well, maybe there's an opportunity here. Maybe there's a business opportunity here. That's number 12, being that sports coach. Number 13 is the roadside stand business. I connected with Shannon Houchin last summer, who has built an empire of sorts of these roadside stands. She calls it Roadside Republic, and she specializes in peaches. I still remember her initial outreach. She was like, Nick, love the show. You've got episodes on flipping yard sale stuff, thrift store stuff, textbooks, cell phones, even domain names. Well, have I got a side hustle for you? I flip peaches. And here's how she suggested a new roadside stand operator get started. You can, absolutely, you can start out with $200, $300, $500 and test it on the weekend before you make a huge commitment. And knowing those wholesalers in the area, it's very easy to buy those smaller quantities from them. That's definitely a plausible way to start. So you can go into a local wholesaler and get $200 worth of peaches and set up a roadside stand and probably sell those $200 worth of peaches the day of, and then you can go back. It's a snowball effect. Starting at a low investment level, like $200, you can snowball your way up to a much larger order until you feel comfortable and you're flipping $1,000 worth of peaches every two days, for example, or on a weekend. Yeah. Talk to me about the location of your stand and setting that up and getting permissions and what's it like trying to find that prime spot, the busy intersection that everybody would love to be able to set up shop. So my preferred place to locate a peach stand, for example, is in a busy convenience store parking lot. And the reason I like convenience stores is because they typically have a large amount of destination traffic. A convenience store is going to pull people in a surrounding neighborhood, say three to five miles everybody within three to five miles is going to visit that convenience store at one time or another. So they have just a constant dedicated stream of traffic, which means if you have a peach stand there, you're never going to want for a customer base. And they probably don't sell peaches already. Exactly. It's complementary to what the business does. Again, that's Shannon Houchin from episode 514. If you want to go check it out. And to round out this list of summer side hustles, I've got a couple pool-related ones. Number 14 is pool maintenance. Lots of homeowners have pools that need regular cleaning and maintenance during the summer months. I think it's a great side hustle because each pool individually doesn't take a ton of time. And this cleaning and maintenance has to happen regularly, which means an opportunity for recurring revenue. On top of that, the average pool maintenance is $180 per month. So we start to stack on a few of these and it does really add up. Now, side note here, if you know how to do a thing, you could build an online business helping other people do that thing. And in the swim space or in the pool maintenance space, Swim University is the site that comes to mind. This is Matt Giovanisi's site. It's a content business, a digital product business, and I think a physical product e-com business, you know, all in the name of helping people take better care of their pools. Obviously, don't rip off Matt, but I think you can absolutely follow his lead and pivot his same model to any number of different niches if you've got the expertise and the curiosity to go after it. So that's number 14, the pool maintenance side hustle and the potential spinoff in the authority type site around your area of expertise. Number 15 is renting out your pool if you are a pool owner. So you know how there's an Airbnb for everything these days? Well, Swimply is Airbnb for pools. 
And according to the site, they've got top hosts earning five grand a month renting out their backyard pools. And like other peer-to-peer apps, you can set your own rates, you can set your own availability, and the company provides liability insurance for peace of mind. So there you have it, 15 summer side hustles to get your creative juices flowing and hopefully some cash flowing in your direction as well. Now, here's the counterpoint that I mentioned at the top of the show. Personally, I like to scale back work during the summer. Here in the Northwest, we wait all year for the summer to get warm. I want to enjoy it. Summer break is like the highlight of your year as a kid. But I remember my first summer post-graduation, even though I was working summers prior to that, but just having this sinking realization that it was never going to happen again. Yeah, I was, I, mean, I was excited to start my new job and this new adventure of moving across the country, but at the same time was kind of bummed out by the feeling that the summers were going to keep coming, but they just wouldn't be the same. Summer break is a beautiful thing. If you can swing the extra time off, I find that time away from my business a lot of times sparks new creative energy in this renewed sense of purpose. So that's my counterpoint to consider. If you're new to the show, it's awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've uh, mentioned several different archive episodes in this one. So if you want more info on those, I encourage you to check those out. They'll be linked up in the show notes. If you're not sure where to start, I would love to build you a personalized playlist. All you got to do is go to hustle.show, answer a few short multiple choice questions, and I'll give you a custom curated playlist of the episodes I think are going to be most relevant and most impactful for you. So you can add those to your device, you can learn what works, and you can go forth and make some more money. Again, that's at hustle.show. Big thanks to all our contributors this week. Thanks to Ladder for sponsoring. You can hit up sidehustlenation.com slash deals for all the latest offers from our sponsors in one place. Thank you for supporting the advertisers that support the show. It really does make a difference. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're finding value in the show, the greatest compliment is to share it with a friend. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.